Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Chaser Report is recorded on Gadigal land. Striving for mediocrity in a world of excellence, this is The Chaser Report. Hello and welcome to the Chaser Report's final best of 2022 series. I'm Lachlan Hodson and joining you shortly will be Charles Firth and Dominic Knight, joined by our, our final historical guest of this little series. Uh, drum roll, please. Yes, it's Grace Tame. Uh, you've probably already looked at the episode's name, so you know that. So it's not really a big surprise. But yeah, we're looking back at that time that we had been graced by the grace of Grace Tame. Dom and Charles got to talk to her about everything from her thoughts on the 2022 election to comedy. And honestly, it's just a really enjoyable listen to hear Grace, who usually talks about the serious topics that we all know her for talking about, uh, to something like comedy. And honestly, if you want to hear more of her on such topics, she's on Irrational Fear all the time, and she's actually going to be a part of the Irrational Fear Too Many Guests lineup at the Melbourne Comedy Festival this year. Plug for Dan Illich. You're welcome, Dan. But for now, you can enjoy her in The Chaser Report. So, Please enjoy this episode. In the meantime, uh, I think it's currently the 27th of January. So you can do two things, uh, which is one, wish Dom Knight a happy birthday. His birthday was the 26th of January. And that is the only thing that anyone should celebrate on that day. The other thing you can do is listen to, I'm sorry to bring this up again, but listen to Hottest 100. Uh, The Hottest 200 starts today, but the Hottest 100 starts tomorrow, which is Saturday the 29th. And look, if you listen to Triple J National Broadcast Radio, you might just hear a special song by none other than Scott Morrison. I I can't promise anything. I I honestly can't. So there's actually a fair chance that it's not in the countdown. But you should listen anyway because you should support the national broadcaster and support young people hosting radio because we're good. Yeah, sorry, no, we're really good and consistent and understand the importance of good radio timing. Where was I? Something about uh, Grace Tame. No, enjoy today's episode of The Chaser Report. I've been Lachlan. Charles and Dom will be with you soon. Enjoy. So last year, we were very, very honoured to have the Australian of the Year, Grace Tame, on our podcast. Surprisingly, Charles, she's agreed to come back and talk to us during the campaign. Yes, I no idea why. <laughs> she's had an awful lot during the campaign and her just about all of it's made headlines. So mm. uh, let's get some more headlines happening with Grace Tame. Welcome to the podcast, Grace. Oh, look, it's always a pleasure chatting to you, Legends. Thank you for having me. So Scott Morrison described himself as a bulldozer this morning. I think Australians know I'm a bit of a bulldozer. Does that tally with your experience at all, Grace? A bulldozer? A bulldozer. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Whatever at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but how have you found this campaign? I mean, you were such a big part of the national conversation when you were Australian of the Year. 
you're not obliged to to do this anymore, but you still every every move gets reported and people want to know what you think, Grace. I don't know. That's up to the people to decide, I suppose. You know, I often say, uh, you know, before I say anything, you know, I often preface uh, my words with, you know, you, no one no one is obliged to um, to listen to to what I have to say. That's really the whole point. I'm just here to present different different ideas and 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 mainly ask or invite people, you know, not not certainly not demand or force, invite people to interrogate the sources from which they're getting their information, you know, the lens that they are looking at at a lot of um, the information that's being presented to them through. Because, you know, when we look at the landscape of our national media at the moment, you know, not all media, of course, you know, people like you guys, um, you know, thankfully there's, there's, a, there's a small portion at least that, that's retaining some independence. But when we look at the, the, the grand landscape of our national media, we've got, you know, 59% of the readership share of, of, of print media, you know, metropolitan and nationally is Murdoch. And then you've got next after that 23% is, is nine mm. um, and, and, Peter Costello, who was a former Liberal treasurer um, in Howard's uh, time, is is you know it's twenty three percent. Like it's it's right leaning, and and we're trying to say that there's bias. It's just not mm. it's not true. That's eighty two percent right there. Mm. Well, actually, we calculate. I added it all up because if you include seven and ten, it, it, the ninety seven percent of the commercial news media is this right-leaning sort of thing. It's extraordinary. Like the the Guardian, if you include the Guardian and the Saturday paper as not right-leaning, they make up essentially 3% of the commercial news media, not including the ABC, of course. Yeah. Which um, is neutral. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting watching it all play out because I guess I'm inspired by seeing how you use your voice still to this day because – a couple of days ago, you had some thoughts on Anthony Albanese going on the Alan Jones show, mm. uh, which I think has fewer viewers than, than this conversation now <laughs> uh, has listeners. You were disappointed by that, weren't you? Of course I was disappointed by that. I mean, Alan Jones even said in his own book he talked about um, the, the letters that he wrote to his underage students, which constitutes grooming. Mm. Um, and, you know, Anthony Albanese is a, a powerful man. Um, and he has choices, uh, you know, of who he aligns himself with. And it was interesting because a lot of the people who were sort of and trying to sort of reason with me, um, and, and I understand that they're well-intentioned, were a part of a demographic who haven't been the victims of child sexual abuse, who haven't experienced what it's like to be victimised by, by a person who has a lot of power and knowledge over you. Um, and they're saying, oh, it's just, you know, it's unity. It's about our forgiveness and all those sorts of things. And I was like, I understand the concept of forgiveness is, is actually in many ways part of the mechanism that drives and perpetuates abuse. It's something that shields perpetrators because they just actually weaponize those sorts of institutions that are actually just man-made constructs to, to hide beneath. And people like Alan Jones, they don't need powerful white man to legitimize him. They don't need to be platformed. They don't need to be given the seal of approval. You know, they don't need handshakes. They don't need photographs on Twitter to, to boost their cause at all and it has a, a really disempowering effect on survivors who see that like what what does it take for our message to be heard for these people to actually incur some kind of consequence it, it just we need circuit breaker moments in society for actually these cultures to to stop 
I often find during election campaigns, there's this notion that you can't possibly criticise the Labor Party because you can't publicly do that because what if you stuff it all up and suddenly everyone votes for the Libs because you said something critical about the Labor Party? Oh, rubbish. Yes. I mean, like I'm not, again, this is the, this is the whole thing. People going, oh, you know, you're a Labor hack. No, I'm actually like, it's not about party politics and it's very clear, you know, we're not even talking about two people who are even remotely similar. If we're looking at Anthony and Scott, Mm. we're talking about one person who's a decent human being and we're talking about an egocentric ideologue who is just totally in it for himself, who's not, we're not even talking about a good, like like a bad politician. We're, We're talking about somebody who has deliberately abandoned the the people mm. for his own gain and is prepared to sacrifice any group for the sake of politics. And I mean, the, I made a list this morning on Twitter and like I'd have to pull out my phone, but the list is huge throughout his tenure as prime minister for the sake of politics. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Does he not forget that like people, like real people have memories and they like on paper, like for his <laughs> campaigning purposes, <laughs> it might be tactical and work strategically in the moment. But like we have real lives and, you know, jobs and families and our families remember too. Mm. Well, his, <laughs> his colleagues remember. This has been one of the strange things about the campaign. So many of his colleagues have, have had mm. critical things to say. And again, it's not about... It's not about party politics. You know, I could care less. Mm. I, I actually have, you know, friends who are in the Liberal Party. And, you know, mm. it's like, you know, the New South Wales um, Treasurer came out, mm. and rightly so. He said there's no place for bigotry in, 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 the, in the modern Liberal Party today, and he's right, and mm. I support that. You know, it's, again, it's not, it's not about being liberal. It's not about any of that. It's about um, human decency and authenticity and all those other values. And the principle of truth, too. You know, if we want to look at that, number one. I mean, this is a man who just... There are all these videos too and, and you know, and photographs and quotes that you can, you know, put side by side where he says one thing and then he says another, you know, and it could be like mm. on the same day too. And you're just like, that is just, <laughs> that is textbook narcissism. But, but isn't so, that why Scott Morrison wants you to listen to Catherine Deves and focus on sort of transgender scare campaign that they've tried to sort of ignite in this election because, you know, part of this campaign is the great forgetting project. Like, he can't run on, well, you remember what I've done for the last three years. He has to have something shiny and new for everyone to look at and go, hey, look over here, be scared of these people, be scared of these people. It is incredibly desperate. It's a distraction. It's a distraction technique, first mm. of all, because he's got really nothing else. Um, you know, he doesn't want to talk. He doesn't want to really talk about climate change because he's, there's nothing there. There's a plan. And, you know, there's, again, there's really, really nothing, nothing much else to go on. And, you know, as Ronnie Salt, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with with her <laughs> Twitter, um, she's been pointing out for a while, it's not just about Warringah. And like you said, it's about appealing to, the nation and and dog whistling to certain mm. ideologies that go beyond her electorate. It has a much grander design, and it's being, it is, it's being, it's it's his priority now that's running directly out of his office. Again, as Ronnie Salt has been pointing out for quite a while, and the media um, are a part of this mechanism. And as you said, it's I mean pretty much ninety seven percent, and they're all complicit in it mm. and using this dubious language that's softening it. They're saying that she's just controversial. No, she's not. She's a flat out liar. She's a lawyer. She knows you know that mu- mutilation is not something that can happen to trans 
gender children because mm. children cannot get the operation mm. to have gender affirming surgery because it's something you can only get when you're 18. She knows all of these things. Mm. And yet, again, the media are all complicit in softening this narrative again. Mm. And for the average reader who does not use their critical thinking, who just sees, and again, this is not the fault of the average reader. It is just, you know, it's not fair to expect people to just walk past, you know, the the the, the um, shop front and see, um, you know, the front page, you know, and, and go, oh, well, I must examine this. They just see the headlines that go, oh, poor Catherine, you know, she's in tears. She just wants to defend her right to say what she wants. We, the, the average person sympathizes with that with that and the imagery that they use it's all very clever like it's so insidious this subliminal messaging and it is all emanating from his office it rots from the top it is so masterful and i I guess it's based around uh, a perception a strategy of the kind of things that would make people re-elect the government, right? If this is all part of a big master plan. And he is as a been marketing man. By many, he was before he was Prime Minister and that is what he is holding on to. Given your experience of travelling around the country, talking to a lot of people and being a, a very prominent advocate, do you believe he's right that that argument is going to help him? Or have you seen a different side of Australia in your interaction with ordinary Australians? I am yet to encounter anybody who isn't incensed by this because... You know, it is really just the lowest of the low. I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm not a politician, and I never, I, I never want, I never want to step into an environment where I become so entrapped in a hive mind, wherein I become in any way detached from reality, because it's so important to be able to admit fault and I think that that's the downfall with people who believe that they are entitled to take advantage of and persecute people they perceive to be beneath them that is where they go wrong you see they don't actually think about they don't they can't see anything from anybody else's point of view no empathy Mm. no empathy because their inauthenticity is their is their downfall that's so sort of entrapped in their own ideology that they're unable to accept responsibility and accountability. Ding, ding, ding. Um, <coughs> cough. <laughs> yes. I don't know who you're talking about. But, I don't, um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but do you think part of it is that actually this will knock off a whole lot of Scott Morrison's competitors in the Liberal Party. If you take a macro issue, you know, thing like this, this is going to destroy a whole lot of wet libs chances at the election. And yeah, it sort of it seems absurd to us that he would play a game where it's like I'll it's get rid game, of though. but but actually you sort of go if his long-term plan is to sort of have a type of party where it hates on and tells lies about transgender people and and whips up culture war campaigns out of nothing, then he's going about it the right way because it's going to lead to a whole lot of seats lost of people who, you know, who believe in telling the truth and being fair within his party. Who will be able to challenge him after this election? Even if he's not in Prime Minister, he'll, he'll be the head of a Liberal Party that it looks far more like 
Catherine Deves than before the election. It's an incredibly selfish oh. uh, thing to do. And if that's what he wants his legacy to be, then again, then that's an unmasking moment. Although, I, I mean, he asked, in, in, my, in my opinion, he unmasked himself to be that a long time ago. Mm. It's disturbing but true that there are people who believe that they are entitled to persecute Mm. people who they perceive to be beneath them. I just wanted to ask about your campaign because when we spoke to you last time, you were talking about trying to get um, the nation's laws on grooming and coercive control changed and in harmony with each other. And this is the time to talk about policy. This is the time when all good ideas to make Australia better are welcomed and we've heard heaps from all kinds of people. How is your campaign going uh, after more than a year of, of talking about these uh, this cause? Indeed. Well, it's it's funny because the media is a strange beast. Um, <laughs> it's going really well. So the, the Harmony campaign is sort of our longer-term umbrella campaign because you kind of can't bite off more than you can chew. As you know, um, creating change and especially legal reform is a, a marathon, not a sprint. And one can only run one step at a time. You can't run 4Ks at once. Unless you are Inspector Gadget, and I am not. I certainly can't. <laughs> you know, I'm a Luddite and I can barely operate my own phone. Uh, <laughs> so the first of, of the um, individual campaigns is called Stop Gaslighting Survivors. And the purpose of that campaign is to remove the word relationship from the crime of persistent child sexual abuse. So in four jurisdictions out of the eight that govern the crime of persistent child sexual abuse of a child or young person under special care. Um, the words, the wording is, you know, slightly different from state to state, but essentially it means the same thing. It's still described as maintaining a sexual relationship with a young person. And that's not just wrong. It's also something that uh, perpetrators of child sexual abuse offences often weaponise um, to spin the narrative. It sounds actually, creepy. The word sounds creepy yeah, in well, that context, of course. Even actually on Sunday uh, during the leaders' debate on Nine, um, there was a commercial where they characterised a case of um, abuse of a minor where the child was groomed um, as a relationship. Um, it's something that's still, you know, it's a really complex thing because often we are talking about children who who are groomed to express what they what they think in their child mind is affection and love or adult abusers who know exactly what they're doing um, because they're often, you know, well-practiced offenders. Um, you know, it's talked about repeatedly in academia, in, in, in psychiatric medicine, um, this mechanism of shame um, that, that stays with boys and girls. You know, boys speak about the shame that they feel from getting erections in, you know, when they were being abused by their abusers. Um, you know, girls talk about expressing, you know, love, saying I loved you or begging for sex from their um, abusers. That's certainly something that I, you know, I, I struggled with because um, I'd been abused previously, not only as a six-year-old, but I'd been abused by primary caregivers of mine who I spent a long time with. And it's something, something that's not discussed about very often when we talk about the trauma responses of not only people but of animals in the animal kingdom is the the fawn response out of the the four so there's the flight fright and freeze which we hear about 
really often but then there's the um the fawn response which is really common in children who've been neglected or, or abused by by caregivers which is characterized by the suppression of, of needs and identity um and the sort of you know people pleasing the hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com the want to um, impress the person who's supposed to be providing you with love but is you know cold or mistreating you and so you sort of you know, like you do anything to to get affection that you're not being provided with, you, you know, your needs are not being met. So you end up in some cases sort of parenting them or um, performing for them, um, you know, and, and, and I, because I was also autistic as well, I mimicked and, and masked a lot of my own identity anyway. It's really complicated, <laughs> obviously. There's a lot to take in there. Yeah, no, I, I didn't know any of the theory behind that. It's fascinating. But just in terms of the places to focus on, where do we need to change next? Yeah, um, well, hopefully by getting this word relationship out of this offence, that's another piece of, of narrative manipulation that we can take away from perpetrators because it's still something that I see all the time. I mean, I'm no stranger to to going online and seeing the hatred I get, um, you know, whether it be from strangers or bots or, 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 or whatever. We need to keep getting this message across, more so because people still don't understand that the power imbalance between victims of child sexual abuse is not one but that is just uh, distilled to an individual level, which is all the more reason we need to fight this. Um, there is a huge overlap between perpetrators and people who are in positions of power, but also we've got to remember that people uh, who perpetrate these crimes often o- operate in rings. Um, they don't work alone. One of the members uh, on the advisory board of our foundation is a brilliant academic by the name of Michael Salter. He's a professor at the University of New South Wales. Um, now, he wrote his thesis, his PhD thesis on escaping pedophile rings. He's been working in this sector for about 15 years. And he's a six foot tall man, really like you wouldn't want to mess with Michael um, on, on a number of uh, uh, um, fronts. You wouldn't want to argue with him because he's, you know, <laughs> He's sharp as a tack, um, but also physically, you know, just you wouldn't. <laughs> but just because he started doing research in this field and, you know, poking the bear, as the phrase goes, he came home one day and found, and he's written about this. So, you know, I, I know that I have permission to say this because I've asked him if I can share this information, you know, for the purposes of, of making this point that I'm about to make. You know, he came home one day and he found animal organs and blood in his bed because, you know, this subculture of humans, again, who feel entitled to abuse people who they think are beneath them, Mm. you know, vulnerable people, they, they will go to any lengths to attempt to silence those trying to expose them. Mm. And I have been on the end of this physical, like violent um, harassment myself. You know, yeah. when I first showed my face on 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 television, you know, I, I had my car crashed into by a white 
um, 2000 model Toyota Corolla. Um, and then like two or three weeks later, I saw the same model of car 200 meters in the distance. And I thought that was quite wow. odd. It's, it's hazards were on. And then I gave it a wide clearance. And then all of a sudden it was up. This was like 10 PM at night. It was right up my backside and I sped up to, you know, give it some room. I wasn't speeding or anything like that before that. And, and then it was chasing me. We were going oh. like 90 kilometers an hour. And then all of a sudden, like it had chased me all the way home and I was too shocked to get out of the car and a thug got out and bashed on the window and called me a fucking whore. Oh my God. You know, these are, these are, these guys don't mess around, you know? Well, I, I'm able to understand this now, Grace, because five weeks ago I got my second daughter so like Scott Morrison, I'm suddenly able to understand uh, <laughs> that these things are bad. But oh, it, yes. Yeah. You can understand, uh, like you can understand women as mm. uh, objects relative to you. Well, yeah. I got my wife to explain it to me. wife yeah, yeah. yeah. explain but, yeah. but in all sincerity, um, and <laughs> how is this not the top priority? Stopping mm. this and stuff. And that's, that's what's really frustrating. See, see, Charles, like, oh, you're not Charles. You're, you're Dom. <laughs> Charles has sons. Charles has no idea. Yeah, I, I, I actually don't did, understand. I was going to say, I, I was about to call you Dom, and then I was like, why does, you, why do you, why does Charles have two? What, yeah, yeah. Why do you have <laughs> a monopoly? Charles yeah. on Zoom. <laughs> why do you have a media monopoly? <laughs> we're, we're, white, we're white middle-aged guys. We're indistinguishable. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry about it. You are all the one, yeah. you know, you yeah. are the monolith <laughs> of white man. <laughs> Sadly you true. You are the monolith. <laughs> so, yeah, I was saying this yesterday. I spoke to the, I spoke to the Batuta guys and I was saying how, um, you know, Max and I worked our little um, butts off last year, you know, travelling around the country, um, you know, speaking about grooming and, you know, granted some of the talks that I did had a no media policy where, you know, they couldn't film but even in the cases where I did film, the stories that did come out of there were always about like, oh, Grace's mental health and all that sort mm. of thing like that, where I went to great lengths to explain grooming, the steps of grooming, the things that came out were, you know, Grace slams Scott Morrison, Grace's obsession with Scott Morrison. I reckon, you know, I did like 4,000 word, 5,000 word speeches. I did uh, over 100 speeches and the mainstream media's coverage of what I spoke about, and I did a lot of TV interviews as well, all the policy stuff that I did, the updates, I barely covered that, but they framed me as being this aggressor. Mm. You know, I reckon I, I spoke about Scott Morrison one, like 1% of the time relative to the advocacy that I did last year. Yeah, it's always And I know right. this, I know this because it bro it broke me because I had to, put myself back into a space that, you know, like physically, like it has a chemical effect on you to go into that trauma, you know, to not only talk about child sexual abuse, but to talk about, you know, the domestic violence that I've experienced and, and those sorts of things um, in order to communicate a message to people and the media, the media that had an opportunity to then transmit that message to the community chose instead to focus on this adversarial thing, which mm. was really only a fraction of the, the time. It was really disappointing. Well, here um, in podcasting, you can, there's unlimited time you can speak for yourself. <laughs> and although if this conversation does get reported, I suspect yeah. they'll... I'll just choose one tiny little thing that you might have said about oh, a certain prime whatever. minister. And, it, and that's, that's fine. That's, mm. But people can yeah. listen to the whole thing. That's the great thing about it. Yeah, and but the thing is, I think that it's just unfortunate because, 
often the critical thinkers are the ones who don't spend their time um, on social media expressing their anger about things. It's the people who don't critically think who spend their time going, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> Sorry. That's a pretty good summary of the election campaign, yeah, and particularly the debates. I think, Grace, you've got <laughs> right, 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 right. so it's it's okay, it's it's all right, and I I understand that, and also the opinions that matter to me ultimately at the end of the day are the opinions of my loved ones, you know, and and that's what you've got to remember. That's how you keep yourself grounded. And that's how you keep yourself, that's how you keep your head out of the clouds as well. You've got to not chase, you know, and also like you, approval ultimately has to come from the inside. You have to, mm, you have to yes. internally be okay. You have to accept yourself um, and not need external validation. You need to, you need to not be chasing that, like chasing likes and things like that, or, or, you know, media headlines and whatnot. You need to, you need to be okay with, um, you know, the Murdoch press going, she's a savage. And also like, yay, if you think I'm a savage because, because of my comedy set, (laughs) that is a compliment daily mail. Thank you. Good having you in comedy now, Grace, too, by the way. What was that like doing the rational fear? Thing. That was like rocket fuel to me. <laughs> I love that stuff. You know, yeah. like when I think about the things that I want to do and the yeah. things that bring me joy, like laughter is something that, you know, as someone who didn't have a lot of what, well, as someone who had no stability, let's be honest, like I was born into a broken home. Um, comedy is where I found a lot of security in terms of, you know, like, I was a big fan of Robin Williams. I was a big fan of Bill Bailey um, mm. and that sort of absurdist, you know, silliness. You know, I found a lot of joy there. And as an autistic person too, it's the most um, uh, pure, purest ways for me to express myself where I don't actually have to do a lot of hard work because I've got, I've got a lot of delays in processing in conversation. When I'm in like a situation, especially if there's more than one person, like one-on-one conversations I can do because it's like, okay, all right, mm. you know, I can focus my attention and go like, let's, I can do this. It's like, you know, chess. Um, <laughs> but if there's like multiple people, I'm like, <laughs> you know, like there's too many things, too many moving parts going on. Whereas, you know, comedy, I'm like, okay, it's a one-way street. Mm. I can do the talking, you know, and it's, it's not, it's not actually about attention seeking at all. It's like, I am having, I am communicating with you guys and we are together and it's it's like the purest form of unity and it is really beautiful and like it's like I'm sharing and we are one and I, I don't know, I just find it because also laughter is so, it's so pure. You cannot help mm. but laugh. It's involuntary, yeah, mm. a lot of the time. It's involuntary and like mm. it's like even when you're really sad, if you laugh, like you cannot help that happiness. Mm. Yes, yes. And laughing at powerful people is a great way to um, remove well, their it's, power. It's like you here. always, you always punch up. You never yeah. like my rule is you never punch down. Yeah. I'll only make jokes about my my own experience. You know, like regardless of what the outcome of the Depp Heard trial is, mockery of any aspect of it. This is a trial that involves domestic violence and an allegation of graphic rape. The mockery of any aspect of it is completely vile mm. and I cannot believe it I just cannot believe it like I haven't been watching it seeing parts of it and I'm just like this is so beyond the pale because I, I just can't believe it I've been sort of looking at social media on that stuff and do you think that it's actually Johnny Depp's 
got a whole team of social media people actually putting out all those memes. Like, it just seems I so... Yeah, it does. That's been re- reported on. Yeah, because so it yeah. seems so... Like, That's been going on since 2019. Yeah, it's extraordinary to watch because it's so brutal and such a quick turnaround and it's, yeah, it's... um. It's a, again, it's another case where people, a lot of people are, are not using their critical thinking. Again, like just examples where Amber Heard's clearly just blowing her nose and that there's a, people are saying that she was using cocaine on the stand. That's just like people use your critical thinking. Yeah, I mean, I think there's plenty of basis to laugh at Johnny Depp and there has been for many, many years. But no, the, you're right. That's just that sort of situation. There's just no comedy in it. Yeah, there's no comedy in that. It's it's a domestic violence trial. It shouldn't be televised. It shouldn't be the basis of entertainment. Yeah, look, it's a fair point. I, I hope you get to do more comedy, though, Grace, because you clearly relished that arena and it must have been such a nice change from um, oh, all the yeah. speeches you had to give and, as you said, having to go through the things, you know, make all these serious points, even talking to us. Um, <laughs> it, it must be exhausting. I really hope you can have a whole year of just getting to not talk about this stuff, um, having to, to remember all that you went through. And let's hope that happens when we actually fix the laws and, and make some progress. There's a grander design to it and it's like the opposite of what, when, when I say that, it's like the opposite of what Scott's doing, you know, like trying to do it for the greater good in that hopefully this doesn't happen to more people. Yeah. You know, there are lots of people, there are lots of parts of my story that, again, are really shameful. Uh, they are embarrassing. They're parts of my story that a lot of, lot of people hear and then they use against me they say oh well that proves you're you know you're guilty or that you were you know you were asking for it or you know you are like you oh you love pedos and you're this and that and oh you look it just kept happening to you and you you know like oh this proves that you were you know there's something wrong with you because you just kept being abused and you just don't know how to set boundaries and blah 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 blah. and it's like well perhaps you know like I never was given the proper examples you know like there's just, just lots all of part of the things. abuse it's all part of the abuse and but I also like I'm really grateful I'm a lucky person in lots of ways in that like the trajectory that I'm now on and the position that I'm now in um, is one that lots of survivors don't get to have mm. there's lots of things that can be true at once you know and that's something that, again that a lot a lot of people don't understand and a lot of media don't understand and you know, I think also too, like the the man who abused me didn't know a lot about my life. Like he didn't know a lot about those sorts of things. You know, like and exactly what was going on going on in my home and like all the background to my life. You know, he just knew certain things and thought he had the whole picture and whatever. But again, I'm really grateful on the whole because it allows me to hopefully, along with a whole host of others and, you know, the giant's shoulders that I'm standing on to hopefully work towards creating a future that's free from this this awful um, criminal behaviour. Yeah, well, I mean, you had to fight so hard in the first place just to be allowed to use your voice under Tassie Law. And God, it's nice to hear you use it on our podcast, Grace. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. But also remember, um, you know, as far as CSA survivors go, like, you know, I'm in, I'm in a pretty lucky category though. Like it's a pretty like diverse um, and intersectional community. You know, like you've got First Nations survivors, people of colour, people with visible disability. You've got refugees, migrants, um, you know, and the LGBTQIA plus community and and other marginalised groups who face even harder, if not impossible, paths to justice. And we've got to, we've got to keep, like, broadening the platform and, 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 and remembering that these are underrepresented experiences as well. And 
part of the 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 struggle is that I like I I can't speak for all survivors um, and I'm an advocate of the community um, and recognize that I'm not always going to say the right thing um, and can't speak on behalf of those experiences and you know like I'm trying to do as best I can to sit with all of those people and you know make Mm. space too so yeah I don't know it's it's really difficult because we've got a long way to go in breaking down those barriers too you certainly do well let's hope uh, whatever happens the next few years the the change continues and that you and others with the same experience um you know continue to talk about it and educate us all so last question last question what is uh what's your tip who's going to win the election oh gosh i can only hope um I can, um, like your best case scenario. Best thing that happens is as many of the teal independents get elected as possible. <laughs> um, you know, and Greens, some of the Greens get elected too, and you know, and Albo is the prime minister. Thank you so yeah. much for your time, and, Grace. Well, basically, just, 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 just go no, no. <laughs> <laughs> as always, our gear is from Rode Microphones. We're part of the Acast Creator Network. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kristen. And this is Jen from My Mom So Hard. And we're here to talk about By Heart. Do you remember when you were nursing and you were like, I want to give the best thing I can to my baby? Well, we've got that for you. It's called By Heart. And it is a infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with code MOMS20 for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Tell them my mom so hard sent you.